Good to see you this morning. Been thinking a lot about the first year of the church life here at Church in the Valley because of the 20th anniversary coming up. It was August in 1987 when Cindy and I moved here to start the church, and um, it was September, the middle of September, September 14th is the actual anniversary that we count because that's the first time that a group of people beyond my family came together to do something as a church, so that's our anniversary. But I've been thinking a lot about it. I don't know about you. I'm not the kind of guy who takes a lot of pictures along the way. I, I tend to forget. It's like, oh, wish I'd had a picture of that. I, I, when I look back at, at things that have gone on in the past, I, I, uh, it's hard for me to remember details. Things tend to be a blur. <laughs> but I do remember when we moved here in August that I was very scared and wondering how this was going to happen. Cindy and I moved with our son, Thad. He was two years old. And we moved into the Daisy Apartments in Diamond Bar, and our intent was to plant our life here, to wait and watch and see if God would grow a church through, through our efforts. He had, he had asked us to do that. We were convinced, and so we came here with that intent. And I was nervous, to say the least. I, we had a little bit of money, and my mentality at the time, my native way of approaching life is, not very entrepreneurial. This, that's a very entrepreneurial task to start a church. I, I, I just, I would prefer to be on assembly line and you just tell me what to do as the stuff comes by and I'll do it. I like that. I, I would prefer that. I actually worked on an assembly line for a while. I was a spot welder for General Motors. The, the half of the car came by, I would weld something on it, and it kept going. I love that. You know, it's just, it's just mindless. You just do the next thing. It's, it's kind of good. But I honestly could not figure out how God was going to do this. I knew that it was, I knew clearly that God had asked me to do it. And Cindy was right there with me. She, she was ready to try it as well. And I was scared because I was somewhat intimidated. I mean, we, we lived here. Our rent was seven fifty a month. We made nine hundred and fifty dollars a month. That was our our salary with benefits. And so I was somewhat intimidated by the houses on the hill, <laughs> and the and the folks that had a lot more money than we did. And I I wasn't quite sure how this was all going to work. But I remember distinctly taking my son Thad to McDonald's, and we were in the play area. And in the play area of McDonald's, I started to observe how families were relating to each other, how parents were treating their children, how children were reacting to the, the parents, how they were coming back at them. And God, God spoke to me and he said, you have what they need. <clears throat> you may not have a lot of money. <laughs> you, you really may not have a lot of skill. <laughs> And, and you may not have a clue as to how this is going to work or what you're going to do next, but you have the very thing that they need. And that has proven true over a huge group, but I'm a part of this congregation to try to accomplish the mission that he's given us together, and he's been, he's been working in us and through us all to accomplish what he's been trying to do through this congregation we call Church in the Valley. 
And it, it's been a, a really good thing to see what God's been doing. Now, way back when, we gathered a launch team, and I went over some things with them about what kind of church we would be. And we had what we called some emphases that shape our style. And these have been backdrop emphases that have shaped our style for the last 20 years. And we're going to, in this message series, we're going to walk through these and talk about why they're so important and why they're the things that we've chosen to shape our style. They've been our MO from the beginning. If you'd have come to a worship service early on, there would have been, you know, you got the bulletin, and on this side of the bulletin, there's the things that are happening that day. The six emphases would have been on this side of the bulletin. They would have been right there for you to look at and figure it out, what, what we're all about. So today, what we're going to do is look at the first two of those emphases. There's six of them, as I said, and we're going to look at these things that shape our style. First one is, our aim is to grow all the, the members in Christ-likeness in all areas of life. That's been our goal for this, from the outset. And really, God's the one that brings the growth. We just try to help, <laughs> and we try to do things that are going to really bless people and help them understand how God works and who he is. And, and then he develops the Christ-likeness. But this has been our aim. If God would see fit to use us to help people grow to become more and more like Christ, Second one is to introduce adults to Christ and help them become fully devoted followers of Christ. It's been our goal ever since we began. Now, why is this so important? Well, first of all, it's important because God's goal is to shape our character. This, this is what God wants us to do. This is what God wants us to focus on and think about and try to organize to accomplish. He, he is much more concerned about your character than he is about your convenience. Now, that's very countercultural because in our country, we're very concerned about convenience. In fact, we want to make progress in life financially so we can afford to buy all the conveniences that make life easy. But the way God is, he's concerned about developing our character. He wants us to become more and more like Christ. Now, here's a passage at Romans 8, 28, 29. Very important passage to understand what God wants to do in a church and through the people that decide to follow him. Verse 28 is a great verse. It's many people I've known throughout my life. I grew up in church and many people would quote this verse. He asked, what's your favorite verse in the Bible? Well, they, this had come out. It's very important. But 29 is important to understand what God's about in all this. It says, in 28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. I love that, that word conformed. This is what God is trying to do in and through the church body, as people come together to, to serve him and to walk through life together, this is what he wants to do. The, in the Greek, which the New Testament was originally written in, the word conformed is somorphous. That's, that's the Greek word. And morph, you know, the mighty morphins in the uh, matrix. We, we use that word a lot. We morph from one thing to another. Well, that's what it means. It means Literally, that word means to take the shape of, of something. To the, the word sum, 
Sumorphous means with. So basically, literally what that word means is to share the same shape as Christ. And what God's trying to do in us is he's trying to shape our hearts to be like his. He's trying to take our character, who we are, on the inside and make us more and more and more like Jesus Christ. This shaping is not a byproduct, something that just happens in church life. This is the core of what God is trying to do in churches, in in groups of people who are following him. This is what he wants to see happening. And once you commit to follow Christ, once you turn around from going your own way and you begin to walk his way, he takes everything that goes on in your life and he wants to use it to make you more like his son. That's what God's doing. He wants to use it to shape you into the image of Jesus Christ. Nothing is wasted. Nothing. And what is it that changes the shape? What is the, one of the most effective things to change the shape of something? It's pressure. He takes, he takes pressure in our lives, and he begins to use the pressure for our good. That's why that verse, verse 28, is so important to people. Because in everything, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And we have been, those of us who have decided to follow him, we've been destined to be conformed to the image of his son. And so he's taking all the stuff that's going on in our life, especially the pressure points, and he's using it to, he wants to, if we'll cooperate with him, he wants to use it to shape our hearts to be like his, to make our character more and more like his. So if you want to know where God's working in your life right now, think about the pressure points. Where is the pressure? God God wants to use that pressure for your good. It can either bend you out of shape, you know, pressure can, you know, people get bent out of shape by pressure, or you can cooperate with God and allow him to begin to shape you into the person that he has made you to be. This is what God's doing, and this is what he wants us to do as a congregation, as a church. He wants us to focus on how can we become more and more like Christ together and and be who God has made us to be. Ephesians 4.13 says this. It says, it's, it's talking about, starts kind of in the middle of a sentence, but what it's referring to is uh, what we're trying to accomplish in church life. The previous verse 12 says that we're, that leaders in the church are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. This is, this is what we're talking about. Maturity is defined in the scriptures as being Christ-like, being like him. Um, and the idea in this word maturity is the kind of maturity that a, a fruit tree, as it grows older, it matures and it begins to bear good fruit. Many of you know I planted a avocado tree last year. It was immature. It had one avocado. Actually, I planted two trees, had one avocado out of both trees last year. That, 
First year I planted, I just planted, didn't expect not much out of it. It was immature. But this year, <laughs> it's really going pretty good so far. And I'm not proud about that. God's bringing the growth. I don't want to get proud because it'll start withering, I'm pretty sure. But it, there, it's, it's more mature. There's more fruit. And it's, it's really looking good. For, for November to January, it could have some avocados. And so I'm excited. Lindsay, my daughter, she was away for too much. She came back. She said, Dad, the fruit tree, the, the avocado tree is so much bigger. I said, yeah. <laughs> it's maturing. It's getting bigger. And so that's what, that's what fruit trees, as they mature, they, they bear really good, luscious fruit if they're healthy. And that's what we as people, that's, that's to be our aim in a church is to, to help work with God and in the right way, set the environment that will allow them to, to grow to maturity more and more and bear the right kind of fruit in their lives that will bless them across the board. Make their families better, better at work, better self-image, all of that. We're going to see how this works in a minute. But it also says that we're to attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The measure that we use, that we are to compare ourselves to, as believers, is Jesus Christ himself. We don't measure ourselves with one another and compare ourselves with one another because when you compare yourself with other people, there is no understanding in that whatsoever. You just, there's no wisdom. So as we're living life, we're to be thinking about Jesus Christ. What would he do? What would he say? How would he go about this? What would he think? And we're comparing, was that what he would do? Is that what he would think? He, he is the one. And so in church life, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to look at who he is and what he wants us to be giving our lives to. In any given field, this is the case. If, if I were to try to be a tenor in the opera, Pavarotti would be my standard, right? I've already compared myself. There's no way in the world it's ever going to happen. I'm not going to be a tenor. But if I were serious about opera, he would be somebody I would be, you know, let's see how, that's what you do. You compare people to others. At USC, if you're a running back, you're going to get compared to Reggie Bush. He was the latest great running back. And there are going to be some basketball, Michael Jordan, ballet, Barishnikov. And this is the way it works. And so we have to choose in life who we're going to compare ourselves to and what we're going to aspire to as people. And God has said Jesus Christ is the measure that we are to go up against. And we're to try to grow toward being more and more like him. We go through stuff and we're to compare ourselves, not with one another, but to Christ. Now, there are are a bunch of good reasons to want to grow in Christ's likeness. But this is not something we think about a lot in America. And so I want to point out one of the really good things about it. And it's that Christ's likeness is useful for all things. That's what Scripture says. First Timothy 4.8 says, For physical training is of some value. It'll help you get buff. Um, you can be in shape. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So being godlike or Christlike has value for all things. 
In other words, taking on the character of Christ improves your approach to life in amazing ways. Now, I just want to give one example of this. I was in college. I remember reading Luke 9:51, and it struck me because it says in that passage that the time drew near for Jesus to give his life for us on the cross. And it says he set his face to go to Jerusalem. That's the version I was reading, Revised Standard Version, when I was in college. He set his face to go to Jerusalem. That struck me because I thought he was going to go and, and live through some horrible things. But he knew, he, he knew they were right. He knew it was God's purpose for him. And he knew this, this is what the father wanted him to do, was go to Jerusalem and sacrifice his life and to die this horrible death on our behalf. And it says in Luke 9.51 that he set his face to do that. Another translation of that in the a more modern version today would be he resolutely set out to go to Jerusalem. And God spoke to me through that, and it's like this is how it works. Usually... What happens when you turn around and commit your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in, and he's working in you to produce this fruit, to help you grow to be more like Christ. And then you read the scripture, or you hear the scripture taught, and the word sinks into your heart, and then the Holy Spirit begins to use that to change you. And so I realized that I need to set my face. I need to resolutely set out to do the right thing. And I've, I've been trying to do that more and more since I read that passage and God spoke to me about it. And I, I want to show you how it helps across the board. Um, when I set out to do the hard thing, usually what happens, you're going through life, you can see what's right. And you, can, you know, you know, I've got to do this. I don't want to do it. This is a hard thing, but I've got to do the right thing. When I step up to the plate, when I do the hard thing, when I sacrifice, when I know I need to sacrifice, I choose to, to follow through and do what's right. My self-respect goes way high. It skyrockets. My self-image is, is so much healthier and stronger when I, when I do those things, when I step in and do what I know God wants me to do. In my marriage... It's obvious as you live life in a family that there are things that need to be done. Some of them are the harder things. When I remain prone on the couch and I ignore the hard things that need to be done, things don't go that well, rightfully so. But when I see what needs to be done and I set my face to do them, whether I feel like it or not, boy, that blesses my wife, it blesses my kids, the right things are done. In my job... There are, in every job, there, I don't know about your job, but in my job, there's a bunch of stuff. I don't, I don't really get up in the morning thinking, yeah, I can't wait to do that. It sort of lands in the category of taking out the trash. There are a lot of chores in every job. I had a friend, uh, actually my mentor, somebody asked him, how much of your work, he's a pastor too, how much of your work do you do that you really want to do? Because in our world, it's important to live your dream and follow your dreams and do what you want to do. And he's, so you're thinking, hey, the guy's a pastor. There must be a lot of it he really wants to do. And he said, 92% of the stuff I do, I don't know how he came up with that figure, but 92% of the stuff I do, I don't really want to do. 8% I enjoy. 
And I thought, I could pretty much identify with that. But you know what? If you focus on the right things that you know you need to do, you make the right kind of progress in work. You set your face to do the right thing. You resolutely set out to handle your responsibility well, and you make the right kind of progress. That's how it works. Godliness has value for all things. Your self-image, your marriage, your friendships, your work. It, it, this, this growing to be more and more like Christ has a tremendous amount of value to it. And so, since this is what God wants to do in us, we make a big deal out of this in Church in the Valley. This is, this is an emphasis an emphasis that we, that we go about doing in the messages. We try to think about how can we not just hear the word or know more about God or know more about the word, but how can we actually live this out in our daily life? Um, in, in our group life, this is what we're concerned about. Actually, in Scripture, it says knowledge puffs up. There, when you're looking at the Bible, it's a, it's a pretty big book, 66 books in one. There are a lot of things you could focus on. You could focus on the details of the temple and everything that went into building the temple in the Old Testament. You could focus on what's going to happen in the end times. Or you can focus on what the Scripture says and what that means for my life. There there are really probably infinite amount of things you could focus on. But what we've chosen to focus on in church life here at Church in the Valley is, hey, that's what God wants. How do I live this out tomorrow and today in my family, in my work, in the way I think, in the way I live? How do, that, that's really very important to God because that's what he's trying to do. John 14, 21, Jesus said that, if you want to love God, you obey God. So we, we try to figure out, how do you take the scriptures and live those? James, James 1, 22 says, don't just hear the word, but do the word. And we do the word not because we're having to earn God's approval, but we do it because we already have it in Jesus Christ. We, we aren't living right to be justified, but we're justified. So we set out to please God because of what he's done. And so this is important to him. We focus on doing God's word, not just knowledge, because knowledge puffs us up, but love builds up the body of Christ. And if we have the right kind of environment here, then we grow and we change and God is able to sumorphous us. <laughs> He's able to conform us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And that's what he's trying to do. So. That's been our aim. Our aim is to provide an environment where people can grow in Christ likeness in all these areas. And one thing that's been incredibly helpful for me is as I get into the scriptures, as I try to live those out, as God speaks to me personally like he did in Luke 9:51, as I see examples, people I rub shoulders with that are choosing to do the right thing, doing the hard things, they're sacrificing, and, and that draws me forward. That's what God wants to do here through Church in the Valley. That's what he's trying to accomplish. And so that's what we're setting out to do. It's one of our emphases. As people grow in Christ-likeness and they begin to rub shoulders with other people, 
it draws the others to themselves. And we've been talking a lot about this, but introducing people to Christ is our core mission as a church. This is the assignment we have from him. Acts 20.24 says, But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Since the first man and woman decided to go their own way and broke off their relationship with God, every one of us are in the same place natively. We, when we're born, we're separated from God. And God has been pursuing us trying to get us back into a relationship with him. He does this through the church, and that's our assignment as we, as we set out to follow him together in church life is to help other people connect with him and grow to be more like him. So as we, as we grow to be more like him, that's more attractive to others to get involved as well. So we try to team up to others to share the gospel with them. And the way these two emphases go together is God's grace is the thing that brings lasting change. Our mission here at Church in the Valley is to know, love, and glorify God and be used by him to help all people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We really want to help people learn to follow Christ and connect with him. And so we team up to do that. Mark, we heard a brief testimony video, Mark Gresick. Janet Pavero met his wife, Jeannie, at the library, and they connected, and she invited him to get involved. Uh, she invited Jeannie and Mark to, to come, get involved in church life. They, they came, they connected, they committed their lives to Christ, and for the last 16, 17 years, God has been trying to shape their hearts to be like his, and they, they've been growing and developing, and it's been good. It's been good for them as they've done that. So we're working together to cooperate with God to see others come to know him and grow up in him. And it's God's grace that not only changes our eternal destiny, but it, it changes us. It brings lasting change. Titus 2, 11 through 12 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. This grace is what we all need to change. Real change doesn't flow out of self-effort, but it flows out of relying on God and His grace as He is trying to change us to be more and more like Him. So, I don't know what's going on in your life this week. There may be some real pressure points. As, as you're dealing with the pressure this, this week, will you set your heart to cooperate with God in allowing him to form his character in you? Ask God also for a way to meet people who need him so you can induce, introduce them to Christ. But will, the question always is, are we going to... Let the pressure bend us out of shape, or are we going to allow God to use it to form us into the people he wants us to be? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank you.